Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good morning. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios. This is 1460 KXNO. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you for the next hour. Coming up in about uh, less than 15 minutes. Alex Halstead on Iowa State. I saw the uh, John Haycock interview. You know, hats off to Cyclone Fanatic, by the way. CycloneFanatic.com, who posts that video of the uh, coordinators uh, on their website. I, I get a lot out of it. I really do. Yeah. It's, it's a really good watch. Uh, Halstead and Mont's very prominent in the questions yesterday. And we'll have Dylan tomorrow. We'll have Alex Halstead coming up here in about 10 minutes. I can listen to John Haycock talk football for hours. He's one of those D coordinators. Knows knows the game and yep. can explain the game. Old school. Yes. Big fan of his. Big fan. Love listening to him. And thank you, Cyclone Fanatic, for making that possible by yes. posting those videos uh, as they do. Uh, so, anyways, uh, Alex Halstead coming up, then Mark Morehouse on Iowa. Let's uh, take a minute or two and try to um, figure out what's going on with Oliver Martin. All right. Because this was a kid, Trent, who was, you know, in most people's mind, if he gets eligible and he practices in the summer and if he, if the NCAA clears him, he's going to be a difference maker and he's going to see the field and uh, all of these things. And, you know, it was a big, at least for me, not for you, you thought that the receiver uh, position was going to be better than most felt, and mm-hmm. you've been proven correct. Uh, Smith-Marset is having a terrific year, as was Brandon Smith until he got hurt and remains to be seen when he'll get back out there again. Best case, I think, is three weeks was the number that was put out there. Worst case is, well, worst case he doesn't, but uh, potentially Illinois or, you know, late uh, in the season against Nebraska. But Oliver Martin, the depth chart comes out on Monday, and Brandon Smith's not part of it, but Calvin Lockett is. And is he played this year? He has. I don't know if he's played receiver. I don't think he's caught a pass, has he? I don't believe so. But I believe he has been part of the... uh, you know, Tom Caker actually does a good job of that, the freshman tracker. I'll see if mm-hmm. I can dig it up. But I'm almost positive he has played a game or two okay. this season, be it special teams, a couple of snap, snaps late in a blowout, something like that. But he's been out there, a guy that they were excited about to get in the recruiting mm-hmm. process. Good size, 6'2", thicker, you know, not that skinny, more the Brandon Smith mold as opposed to the mere Smith-Marset. Okay. Lanky versus... He's got some thickness to him. So it, it was a guy that... They beat out a couple ACC schools for, went down to Florida to get him, but that's a surprise. 
Yes. I, I know Oliver Martin got here late. So what's what's ha- what's happened since then? I mean, they get him on the field. He caught that touchdown. Who was that against? It was a night game. Wasn't the night game and the place went crazy? Was it Miami of Ohio? It might have been. But, yeah. but 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 you remember the you remember the touchdown that he caught mm-hmm. in the, in the, and the and the if there was a lid on Kinnick, it would have been blown off at that moment because you know hometown kid coming home. Um, he was going to be a huge huge piece of this offense this year. No doubt. And I get the fact that Smith, Marcet, and Brandon Smith are having terrific years, and maybe that's the reason. You know, don't look any further. Mm-hmm. Smith, Marcet, and Brandon Smith are better than Oliver Martin. I love what Regani and Tracy are bringing to the field. Oliver Martin doesn't even show up on the depth chart. What is going on? There feels like there has to be something. There has right? to be. Is he in the doghouse? Well, first the position, mm-hmm. and though we were told back during August. It was mentioned by the coaches that he had been position, he had been practicing at all the uh, positions play anywhere. of the wide receiver group. Yep. But this is X, this is the outside, and maybe he just he hasn't been there nearly as often. And that's something that is the case for Laka. Laka, by the way, a redshirt freshman, so doesn't matter how many games he's played right. this year. Right. He's good to go. But um, that very well could be it. It's just he's not his best at the X, and because of that, these two guys are better. And it just, everybody bumps up the depth chart, and that's the way that you look at it. Could be as simple as that. Do you buy it? No. Okay. I don't. I, I, there's something going on. I don't Let's know what it is. Let's go a step further. Okay. This is a guy that this summer transferred in, mm-hmm. a lot of fanfare. Mm-hmm. But he left a program, wasn't happy at a program. Wasn't happy at Michigan. So you think he's a malcontent wherever he goes? I wouldn't say malcontent. You could use that term, but maybe just a guy that won't be happy anywhere. This is a guy that was a very accomplished swimmer. Maybe his heart's not into football. It's where he got a scholarship. It's where he got a full ride. Mm-hmm. Maybe he just wishes he was back in the pool. And that really? was the sport that he loved more. Have you heard that? No. no. Okay. We're speculating. Yep. This yep. Is, Good. Again, this is all wild speculation, yep. but we're trying to find a reason because it feels like there has to there, be There's got to be something. something. Right. If he doesn't have a significant role this Saturday against Northwestern, that's got to be question one in the press conference. Here's another one for you. Do you remember uh, about a month back, the question was asked about Oliver Martin, why he wasn't playing more. And, and yeah, it was asked to Brian Ferentz. And Brian, it was during the bye week, and Brian Ferentz didn't want to answer, or got noticeably... He was pissy about yes, it. yes. He was, he was upset, and he, in fact, apologized on Hawk Central with Chad Leistico and Mark Emmert for the way that he responded to that question. He apologized. Mm. Because he was a jerk. Uh, on, the, on the radio show? Yes. On KXNO, Wednesday nights, right? Yes. He was a jerk about it. Okay. And he apologized for being a jerk. Mm-hmm. It's not the first time that Brian Ferentz has had to do that. But we've seen last year Noah Fant and the questions that came up. Yeah. Well, is they were fa- right about Noah Fant because he can't catch. Is it fair to say, well, would you rather have him or Max Cooper playing a football game? Remember the Northwestern game a year ago? Yeah. It was Max Cooper. Okay. Max Cooper didn't make the play. Right. No fan probably could have. Well, maybe. I know he hasn't made any plays in Denver. I'll tell you, Max Cooper's not going to be a first-round draft select. Okay. You're you're a little more upset with Noah because he's on your squad. He can't catch. And they they wasted the 20th pick on him. He can catch. Well, he hasn't yet. He's had some drops. Right. He's had some drops. That's a disappointing area of the game for for a guy that's supposed to catch those balls. Is it fair to say that Brian Ferentz is vindictive? 
I th- see, I don't know that about him. I don't know that about him. I, he didn't like it last year when he was being questioned. Right, but bef- before that, I wonder what led up to that. I mean, was he getting inundated inside the football offices? Was somebody... I, I don't know, but something is up with Oliver Martin. There is something there, and you can't convince me otherwise. Unless he's just not good enough. You know, unless that Michigan missed. You know, but Jim Harbaugh was... You know, he didn't walk him to the... You know, out out the gate, but mm-hmm. I don't think. And Harbaugh was—he's been very upfront how he feels about transfers, and he's good with it, and good for him for being that way. But he, we 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 weren't sold to Bill again. We all felt that this guy was going to be a major, major player on this offense this year, and it hasn't and it hasn't, hasn't to happened. Fruition. Trenchy's caught five balls for twenty-eight yards. Tyrone Tracy's been good, terrific. Really like him. He's had traps himself. Has. That's the one knock you have against him. Mm-hmm. And he's, that was the other thing that was confusing to me. And Tyrone Tracy, we've seen him twice this year on those plays up the field, the Brandon Smith plays, mm-hmm. where he's been kind of hit, pushed to the boundary, and the guy gets the interception because he's not physically right. tall. Right. Oliver Martin has a little height on him. Why he's the guy at the exposition. That, that one confused me, too. This is a difficult one. This is a difficult one to get a grasp on the reason before it. Now, Brent well could go out there and he plays 60 snaps in the game Saturday, and this whole conversation is right. moot. But as that looks right now, something seems off. Is this us again, though, maybe just simply overplaying the depth chart? How many times have we had Kirk Ferentz say, oh, that's something kind of for you guys, it's inside the football offices, but it really it doesn't jumped matter? off the page, Trent, when his yeah. name wasn't on it, when Brandon Smith was. Calvin Lockett might be a hell of a player. But Oliver Martin was supposed to be that guy in that spot. We'll see. I think this is something worth watching. That's all. I'll just leave it at yep. that. Something worth watching. Alex Halstead, he'll be worth listening to. Uh, stick around for that. He's going to talk Iowa State with us, Oklahoma State, uh, at Jack Trice Stadium, 2.30 kickoff. It's homecoming, and uh, we will catch up with Alex Halstead. We'll ask Mark Morehouse in about, oh, 40 minutes or thereabouts what's going on with Oliver Martin and see if he has a theory. But right now... <laughs> It's time to put another $1,000 into your bank account. Use it for your bowl trip. Pay off some bills. Holiday shopping around the corner. Text the keyword yoga. Yoga to 200-200 right now. That's yoga to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. You've done yoga? No. Hot yoga? No. You ever want to do yoga? No, no, no. You know, they say it's a good thing as you start to age. I know. You know what? That's a good point because I find myself, we kind of shrivel, not shrivel up, but we kind of slump a little bit. Sure. And when I stretch my shoulders back, it hurts. (laughs) Right? That's, that's, um, I think there's a lot of 60-somethings that are into yoga. Yes. That's maybe not a bad move. You got a yoga studio, Nate. Can you give Ken Miller a call? 284-5966. You know what? We've all got New Year's resolutions we're going to break. Maybe that one will be mine. Uh, we'll come back and we will talk to Alex Halstead, Mark Morehouse still to come. We're here until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 14 Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until noon. Mark Morehouse, 20 minutes or thereabouts. Uh, from the Cedar Rapids Gazette, right now, Cyclone Alert. He's Alex Halstead. Uh, he joins the program as we preview Oklahoma State. Take a look back, perhaps, uh, to last week as well. Uh, good to talk to Alex Halstead. How are you? 
I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. I I, I really enjoyed the, uh, the at least the video, the portion of the uh, John Haycock interview uh, that I saw that was put up at uh, Cyclone Fanatic. I thought that was a terrific, uh, terrific piece. Uh, you were a big part of that interview with Haycock, who, I, as I said earlier, I could listen to this dude play um, our, our talk rather for for hours at a time. Depth on defense. You brought up that question to him yesterday. I'm, I'm glad you did because I mean it's one of the one of the things that stands out this uh, this year regarding Iowa State's defense is you know normally in, in previous years in most years they have they might have had some guys but they never had some guys behind those guys. Uh, this year they do. It's a huge difference. Yeah, that's been one of the big storylines, and I was interested yesterday to to ask Haycock about it partially because. You look back at last week, and Iowa State's defense was 90. on the field for 86 plays, yeah. uh, almost 90, uh, and then their their offense was on the field for 56 plays. So their defense played 30 more plays than their offense, partially because you have a, uh, a one-play touchdown drive with Brees Hall's 75-yard run, and then even a two-play touchdown drive with Brees Hall's catch-and-run of 31, 61 yards, and then a, the next play was a touchdown. So a couple of short offensive drives, plus I think Iowa State's defense did what it's designed to do, and that's you know, every drive that Texas Tech scored on, they scored on four drives, three touchdowns, one field goal. All of them took 11 plays or more. Two of them in the second half took 15 and 16 plays. That's what that defense is designed to do is make you methodically move down the field, and that's what Haycock talked about. And, you know, they've lost Greg Eisworth for times this year. They've obviously been without Orion Vance now, um, Jaquan Bailey, and they've had guys step up, whether it's Zach Peterson or you look at Saturday, and I thought Tavon Kyle and D.J. Miller, two freshman defensive backs, played big roles. So this is the most most depth I've seen and it probably has to go back quite a ways to find that much depth on the defensive side. I saw the Mike Rose piece, uh, the interview with Mike Rose, and I mean he made it pretty clear that he thinks he's going to be moving back uh, uh, to the position that he started earlier at, in the year, Ed, because of the fact that he believes Orion Vance is going to play. Haycock almost said as much without saying as much as well. So it looks as though Vance is going to play this week. Yeah, he obviously was, I think, close to going to Texas Tech, ended up not traveling with the team. Um, so he wasn't there, and it sounds like he returned to practice Monday. So it's getting closer. Uh, we haven't heard exactly what that injury was. I've heard some rumblings that it was actually ended up being a concussion, mm-hmm. which means basically you have to go through the concussion protocol. And so that's not really up to coaches or how a player feels as much as it is just getting cleared. And I think he might have been close last week, and it sounds like this week uh, that could happen. So assuming he's back this week, uh, Mike Rose goes back out to see him linebacker. If for any reason it doesn't happen, I think for sure you're going to see him against Oklahoma because of the bye week next week. So uh, offensively, you mentioned a little bit earlier, Alex, Brees Hall and just the outstanding effort out of him. Felt like Matt Campbell maybe trying to tamp down those expectations a little bit. Boy, tough to do after watching what he can do on the field and what he's done uh, production-wise here the last few weeks. It, this is the guy certainly going forward here, but you know what can you do to rein in a freshman and it does it feel like to you that that was what Campbell's trying to do at least a little bit this week slow down those huge expectations yeah he's done it now I think three times after the West Virginia game obviously we we were there in Morgantown asking him questions just about what he saw that that this was coming and he kind of then uh, after that game was like hey this is just one game and then he does it again against Texas Tech and after that game he says basically the same thing and talks about how there's great competition in that room. And then he did the same thing this week. So I think that's kind of his thing is probably one to keep Brees, Brees Hall a little bit humble. Uh, but also I think he does want to make sure that, that things don't move too quickly. He knows this is just two games. Uh, but with that said, you know, I think we know that Brees Hall is the guy now. And I think there's just kind of this, this middle ground that Campbell's trying to, to, you know, straddle between yes, Brees Hall's the guy, but also trying to keep that, 
running back room engaged because they're going to need other guys at points this season, uh, but also try to to make sure that Brees Hall doesn't, you know, get a little, little bit too high on himself. So it's something I think he's had to do now a couple years in there. I don't know if he really had to deal with it a ton with Brock Purdy, but you know, when you have this instant success, sometimes I think that could be hard in coaching as well. Uh, one of the things that uh, jumped out to me when I was listening in and uh, watching the, uh, the the press conference from yesterday when you guys had him, uh, Haycock I'm referring to, he mentioned he believes uh, that this is, gonna, this is the most potent offense that they've gone up against so far. Um, hard to argue with them, right? I mean, they got three guys, even, you know, the receiver position. They're, they're good outside receiver. Wallace is a good player. Hubbard's one of the best running backs in the country, not in the conference, in the country, for my money. Sanders is hit and miss. I mean, he's still, you know, learning the position, but if you get good Spencer Sanders, he's going to be a pain in the you know what. This offense could have, um, I think they're going to score some points against what is a really good Iowa State defense. I think it's going to be a ton of points scored. Oklahoma State, really good offensively. Yeah, Iowa State's defense hasn't given up 30 points in nine straight games dating back to last year in what ended up being a shootout with Kansas State. And, you know, so their defense has obviously been really good, but that's going to be the challenge Saturday is that Oklahoma State offense. This game has, you know, gotten into kind of a shootout-type game the last four years. Uh, Both teams have scored 30-plus points, and it does feel like it could be that sort of game. Um, You know, Oklahoma State's offense, when they don't turn the ball over, is really, really lethal. Um, That's kind of been their problem in recent weeks is, is the turnovers last week. They're in a close game. They have a fumble that gets returned for a touchdown late in that game, and, and Baylor kind of pulls away. Uh, the game before that against Texas Tech, they lost by 10 to Texas Tech, uh, but they lost the turnover battle 5 to nothing. And so when they don't turn the ball over, they're really deadly. When Their problem has been that they've turned the ball over a lot. Spencer Sanders has uh, 11 touchdowns this year and nine interceptions. Eight of those interceptions have come in four Big 12 games. In fact, three of those four Big 12 games, he's had at least two interceptions. So I think that's going to be the key defensively is trying to force him to, to drop the ball in the pocket like he has a couple of times, trying to force him into some mistakes um, because he is you know going into only his eighth game of his career. So that's probably the big thing. But you mentioned what Haycock did. That's that, you know, if they're on and they don't turn the ball over, they're as dangerous as anybody uh, in this in this league and one of the more dangerous teams in the, in the country. You know, they're still uh, top 25 in both scoring offense and yards per play. They're the fifth best rushing offense in the country. You know, uh, Hubbard has uh, almost 1,300 yards rushing. Spencer Sanders has almost 400 or has 400 plus rushing yards out of the quarterback position. So this is a deadly team, and I'm interested to see how Iowa State tries to defend it. Well, there's an old adage always grab the points in a shootout, points at a premium. Can't be leaving points on the field if we get that kind of game. Yet the kicking game has been leaving points on the field, including seven in the first half on Saturday against Tech. Where are we at with the kicking game? Narvison's gotten a shot here the last couple of weeks, but two misses of field goals. A Sally misses an extra point. What can you tell us about the kick, kicking game for ISU? Yeah, Campbell was asked Tuesday, you know, what area of this team could really benefit from taking a big step uh, because you've seen kind of a step in different areas, whether it's offense or uh, some of their depth defensively. And he said, you know, without question, he'd be naive not to say that the step that they need to take is more consistency in the kicking game. Now, at times they've been good. You know, Sally's rarely missed extra points, whether it's this year he just missed the one last year. I don't know if he missed any. Um, and so, or maybe he missed one or two. So, you know, he's been really consistent there. And then he has that rare miss. And I think the big thing they're trying to figure out is who kicks when, because, um, you know, obviously at West Virginia, Narvison had become the long kicker, the depth kicker, so to speak, and he hits that 45-yarder, and then I think now they've kind of gone with him. Well, then he misses 41 and 42 yards at, at Texas Tech. Now, the wind was swirling. That's a weird stadium. It was really, really windy the Friday night before walking around the campus, and then 
uh, not quite as windy Saturday, but it was still swirling. So I think it's a difficult place to kick. But, you know, to me, I think Casale is still capable of hitting a 41 or 42-yarder. You know, his his range has kind of started to dwindle at 44, 45-plus. So I'm kind of surprised that they haven't given him that shot. But, you know, Campbell said they'll go back to practice and figure it out, though. He said Sally is their kicker, mm-hmm. uh, but I think now they got to figure out, is Narvison the guy that's 40-plus or not? So he didn't tip his hand either way. This week's going to determine who's going to get that opportunity Saturday. You know, if they have a 41 or a 42-yard field goal, it will be predicated on how they practice this week between those two. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you, you were led to believe? Yeah, that's what Campbell said. Now, he, okay. he did say Sally is their kicker, but mm-hmm. you know, he's better their kicker, so... You know, we don't know who their deep kicker is, so to speak, and maybe it's Narvison, or maybe if they're getting into a situation where they're kicking a 42-yarder, uh, maybe they do go back to a salary this week. Uh, offensive line, uh, we're going to get to basketball. Uh, I just want uh, one on the offensive line. It's uh, it's very clear that this unit has really come together uh, and done so here in, in the month of October, and as the weeks have gone on in October, seemingly they've gotten better. Meeker's been terrific. Good Jones, who struggled, had some struggles early in the year. He's been good. Uh, Trevor Downing has been a nice addition to that line. Offensive line is playing like, you know, that a lot of folks thought that they were going to be able to do so. They're living up to the expectations, Alex? Yeah, it's hard to, to quantify offensive line play. There's not a lot of stats out there. I looked at football uh, outsiders uh, yesterday, and they have a lot of advanced analytics with offensive line, and Iowa State's really jumped pretty much in every metric from last season. Their, their sack rate ranks 30th in the country. They're not allowing Purdy to get sacked a ton. And I think that number's probably even a little bit better than, than that number says. You know, one of the sacks this year is on a screen bubble against Iowa where it was actually DeSante Jones getting sacked. Brock Purdy would tell you that a couple of those sacks against West Virginia were probably not on the offensive line, but as much maybe more on either West Virginia's coverage or him not checking down. So the offensive line protection-wise has been pretty good, and now we're starting to see it you know, open up more holes. You know, Brees Hall had that 75-yard run Saturday, but Bryce Meeker had a key block, and then Charlie Kohler and, and Michael Petway kind of split the defenders for that gap to open. So we're starting to see them give lanes a little bit more, and I think Brees Hall has been firing the running back that's getting through those holes, uh, improving it. So this line's been much better, and um, you know, I think that's something that's got to continue if they want to make a run here in this critical three-game stretch. So uh, let's jump into some hoops. Yesterday it was Big 12 Basketball Media Day. Heard Bob Bullsby make some comments. Boy, he does not want athletes to be able to use their uh, likeness to make money. Bullsby, he's coming, is Bob, old whether school. you like it or not. Yeah, it, it's been interesting the split between this. Uh, you look at it and you watch even the Big Ten. Uh, the Big Ten media days recently, it seems like the, the administrators are kind of taking the side of, of that, and the coaches are trying to take the side of at least either not saying anything or being <laughs> pro-player probably for recruiting purposes. Right. That's kind of what you saw even from, I think, Fred Hoiberg. So it's kind of this weird area for everybody to be in because your administrators kind of have to take this one line, I think, to, to match with the NCAA, but coaches almost either have to not say anything or take a pro-player stance because of, you know, stand by their players. So it's been really interesting to watch that unfold, but Bullsby, I thought some of those comments seemed a little bit, a little bit out of touch. But uh, I guess we'll see how things unfold. Yeah, and did you hear Solomon Young? Did you hear his response to the question what he would do with the money? I would use it so my mom could travel to watch me play some games. I mean, come on. There you go. Right? Yeah. Uh, so what? What about this Big Twelve, Alex? When you, when you take a look at it, look, it's it's, it's Kansas. And then there's then there's some question marks, right? As, as to who's going to you know to be that team that emerges from that pack. As you as you sit here uh, today, who do you think that uh, you know teams two, three, and four? Help us out with those. Yeah, that, that's kind of the, obviously the question. It's always Kansas at the top, and who's next? I think most people 
seem to have in the two three spot Baylor and Texas Tech. I think Baylor is going to be a really good team. I think Texas Tech a lot's going to depend on what Chris Beard can put together, um, and I think he's getting a lot of the benefit of the doubt or or what what have you because of the success he's had. But mm-hmm. they've got a lot of pieces to replace. I think they lost by ten to UTEP or UTSA uh, in a in a secret or I don't know if they're secret or not, but a uh, some sort of exhibition or scrimmage. So they obviously have some work to do. Um, but I do think uh, Baylor's going to be up there. And then I, I think you're right. I think really four through seven, four through eight, uh, probably more so four through seven is going to be really interesting. Whether you talk about um, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, uh, Texas, uh, you know, those those schools right there, I think are, are going to be really interesting. West Virginia, um, the really only consensus you really see is that the bottom maybe is TCU, Kansas State, and Oklahoma. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to watch it on both because I think there's a lot up for grabs. I think a lot of questions, you know, a lot of teams lose a lot. And it's going to be a matter of what what those guys coming in do because it's like Iowa State, Prentice Nix, and Rashier Bolton. If those guys step up, Iowa State can be up there. If those guys aren't what, what people expect, then maybe they fall closer to their projected seven. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. Alex, we'll talk to you in the bye week. Thank you very much. Yep, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, Alex Halstead. Uh, as Simple told us, he was on his way to a Scott Frost press conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, this just came up for the press conference. Uh, Frost was asked uh, about uh, Washington, Maurice Washington. Plans to have another conversation with him. If Washington wants to return, Frost said he'll, do, he'll need to do a lot of things to earn his team's trust back and our trust back. So they're going to have to earn the players' trust and the coaches' trust, but the door's not totally closed. I don't think he'll ever play. I don't think so either. I don't think he should have played. Yeah, It's a bad look for Nebraska. It is. It's a bad look for Scott Frost. For what he said in his opening press conference, to how he backtracked on that before the first game of the year. And you see what he's accused of doing? I mean, accused. I get it. It accused. is. It's accused. But, but boy, oh boy, that's egregious. We're not talking about making a life here. We're talking about a privilege of playing college athletics. Fair point. Uh, Mark Morehouse joins. Fair point. Uh, Mark Morehouse joins us next uh, as we take you up until noon. Of course, Mark with the Cedar Rapids Gazette. I'm going to pick his brain on Oliver Martin when we return. It's Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty mymca dot org. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, final segment here on a Thursday. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Cyclone Fanatic Radio tonight at 6. Hawkeye Nation Radio tonight at 7. Uh, let's get Mark Morehouse in here, Cedar Rapids Gazette. He'll be jumping in the car, heading to the Chicagoland area. Ryan Field is the scene. 11 o'clock Saturday morning is the kickoff time. Mark joins us. Hello, Mark. Trenton Ken. How are you? Uh, I can't believe you guys have the Cyclone show before the Hawkeye show. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's outrage. Yeah, well, we're, it's clearly there's a Cyclone bias in yeah, this building. Yeah, it yeah. just reverberates through uh, KXNO, as you well know, Mark. Uh, <laughs> hey, I want to ask you about Oliver Martin. I'm sure you're sick of it. I'm sure people have been asking you constantly, so I'm going to join that party as well. I Something mm-hmm. smells here, Mark. I, I, I can't put my finger on it. Uh, Lockett might be a heck of a player. I mean, we, we don't know yet. Uh, Oliver Martin was going to be that. That guy, I mean, you remember what it was like. Is he or isn't he going to be eligible? And then he was, and mm-hmm. Hawkeye Nation celebrated. 
What's going on here that he's not even on the depth chart? I mean, he's if he's going to play and, and have, I would think, appreciable playing time and balls thrown his way, it would be this week seemingly with Brandon Smith not playing. Is there something there, do you think? No, I don't. Uh, I think all of a sudden we're putting a lot of stock on the depth chart. Uh, really? Uh, it seems like a convenient sort of way to start an argument, just most of the time, fans turn their backs on the depth chart thinking it doesn't mean anything. I think it does mean a little bit. In this case, I'm not sure what. Uh, one thing we don't know, who's been practicing where? And that's one thing we did kind of get a little bit of a look at on Tuesday. Uh, Martin had not been practicing the X. He is this week in practice. Everybody, I think, is getting a little look at it. So that was, according to Nate Stanley, uh, Mar- uh, Martin had been practicing the Z and the slot. So... Uh, so there's that. I mean, that's the evidence we're going off. I imagine Calvin Lockett being 6'2", 186, yep. 190, somewhere there, he's more of an ex-wide receiver. I mean, I, I think Brandon Smith is having a great or was having a great year mm-hmm. uh, because he is a prototypical ex-receiver, 6'2", 218. He goes up and gets the ball. All of a sudden you're seeing Iowa with fade routes. You're seeing Iowa drawing a lot more pass interference penalties because of Brandon Smith. And Amir Smith-Marset, too. But I would say this. Let's not read too much on the depth chart. Let's see what happens on Saturday. I think it's going to be a game plan that does maybe favor the X, maybe not vertically, but maybe wide receiver screen-wise and maybe a little more horizontally. So uh, over to the defense now and the return of the 4-2-5 after, what was it, 13 snaps in game one. It disappeared. DJ Johnson struggled. But it came back as the defensive backfield got a little more healthy, and you're playing Purdue that goes along with it. We heard it's part of the Iowa DNA. Is it a big part of the DNA going forward, and will we see it a lot this week with Northwestern? It depends on what Northwestern needs to get done. Uh, frankly, this is an offense that has no strength uh, that I can that I can see. Uh, it's not good. Uh, it's one of the worst in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think... You know, the quarterback, I think it's going to have to be more of a running thing, and the quarterback's going to have to make plays with his feet when Northwestern is a serious player in the Big Ten. It feels like that's what they have. I say that knowing last year they won the Big Ten West with a drop-back quarterback, but when Northwestern's a serious team, it's Kane Coulter, it's Dan Persa, making plays with their feet. I just don't see that right now. I don't see that at all this week from Northwestern. So uh, I'm not sure what I was going to have to be this week, but I, you know what is going to be? trend is uh, it's going to play the defense. I mean, the, I, you know, Scott Jockerman and I just finished the uh, Iowa podcast, and, you know, I picked the score 13-12. to 12. Uh, <laughs> Scott picked the score 12-5. to 5. Uh, Trent had a good one, 13-8. 13-8, yeah. Uh, I, haven't heard, I, th- I haven't heard 11-8 yet, but Ooh. all those are in play. All those are in play, and frankly, if this ends up being 38-31 or something in the 40s, I will... I will grow a Fu Manchu mustache and wear it the entire rest of the season. I'm in for that, Mark. I am in for that. (laughs) Who's gonna Who's gonna play? I'll go ahead. I've got a I've got a great Fu Manchu. I've got a great Fu Manchu mustache. It'd be awesome. I don't think we're gonna see it after this week, though. (laughs) Uh, Hunter Johnson or Aiden Smith? Who's gonna get the call? Uh, Who's Fitz gonna turn to? Was Johnson? He was not good. Aiden Smith. I see glimpses of him uh, when he's on the field. He's uh, he can certainly uh, tuck it and run it. Hunter Johnson can a little bit. Aiden Smith, I think, is better. Uh, more of a dual threat. Who's going to be quarterback with it, uh, when the ball goes in the air at 11 o'clock Saturday? I think Smith, you just go on uh, the fact there was a bit of an injury with Johnson, but 
it seems like just reading the coverage that he just has been playing beaten out by Aiden Smith. And I think Smith has started the last two games. He started against Ohio State. He carved off a little bit of an offense. Um, I think the one sign of hope really beyond quarterback for Northwestern was uh, Isaiah Bowser, the running back, yeah, getting back, getting healthy. He had, he had 65 yards against uh, Ohio State. They scored three points. They lost 52-3. to three. There's very few positives, but I think that's kind of a crack of sunshine for them. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much quarterback's going to matter, given what you know. Northwestern's missing, maybe missing, and likely will be missing its best wide receiver in this. Bennett Skaronic, the guy who made the big play last year at Kinnick, hasn't really, has been in and out of the lineup this year. Uh, they they just don't seem to have very many weapons, and I don't think I don't think it kind I kind of don't think it matters who plays quarterback. But uh, Northwestern's going to be playing to get off the field and not turn the ball over and just not make the mistakes that I was going to you know shove in their face mask. Pat Fitzgerald has uh, play, his teams have played well against Kirk Ferentz. They've won the last three here. We know about the story him and his playing days as he got his knee cut out, and he believes it was a dirty play against Iowa. wasn't able to play the Rose Bowl, and uh, still blames Iowa for that one in many circles. Is that overblown? Is that more a media narrative, or do you think that's something that drives him even here today in 2019? He's coached over 100 Big Ten games yet. That's something that still cracks at him his chance to get back at the Hawkeyes. I don't think so, but uh, if you look at Iowa Northwestern, um, one goes up, one goes down. I mean, in the Big Ten West, mm-hmm. they're they're tied to the yep. hip. Uh, there's the, and I think whenever Nebraska wants to join this, they're welcome to. But uh, I think of those three teams, and maybe throw Minnesota, definitely throw Minnesota in this year. Uh, two of those are going up, two of those are probably going down. So I think Iowa and Northwestern share that. You know, I always used to say Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan State on the polar bears on the same uh, piece of ice. And I think Northwestern, Northwestern, Iowa, Minnesota, maybe Nebraska, eventually, kind of in the Big Ten West on that sheet of ice. Um, and I think that's it. I mean, of course, there. You know, I'm sure that story will come up again and again and again until Fitzgerald is coaching the Bears. But uh, uh, I don't see. I, I don't see. I don't see that being his prime driver right now. They're one and five, and they're Northwestern's trying to. Keep his bowl hopes are alive, and uh, coming off a Big Ten West division title, you know you, you lose a lot of luster on that if you don't make a bowl the next year. Uh, uh, which of these three really good stories from last week surprised you the most? Belton, Campbell, or Moss? Good, good. That's a great question. Um, all three. Can I say that? <laughs> uh, Belton really didn't surprise me because I think uh, they were hinting that that was going to happen, and Trent made a great point about cash, uh, I think it's back. Yeah. I'm not sure it's back like it was with Amani Hooker. I mean, let's be honest, Amani Hooker's in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's not back that way, but I think it's at least an option now. I'm not sure Northwestern can get Iowa to play that card. Uh, Jack Campbell, I think uh, I think the coaches saw a guy with great instincts, great aggression, and finishes. And you know what? When he signed with Iowa, I kind of compared him to, to Aaron Cam, and I thought he would grow out of linebacker to defensive end Maybe they don't have to. If you look at across the line of scrimmage tomorrow or Saturday, Northwestern has a linebacker, Patty Fisher. He's 6'4". Campbell's 6'4". That kind of length at middle linebacker, yeah, you kind of like that. That guy's going to be a pain in the butt in passing downs and, man, really aggressive and comes downhill and loves to hit. So they have something there. Um, and then Ma- Riley Moss coming in, that was tr- a tremendous boost, I think, for his career. I mean, yes. that is a team that victimized him last year. Mm-hmm. He comes in, he shuts the door with an interception, three plays in. He knew right away there, 
they knew his number. They were going to go <laughs> at him, and he was ready, and he mm-hmm. made the play. So what a great move there. I think they get deeper in the secondary now. Um, people ask about where D.J. Johnson is. He's still there. But right now, it's a pretty crowded group of, of uh, at corner. Uh, I thought Matt Hankins, I thought that was one of the better stories of last week. Matt Hankins gets benched for Riley Moss. Matt Hankins shows up the post game, and, you know, that's first of all, that's a minor miracle. And second of all, he just wanted <laughs> to show up and say how happy he was for his teammate. So I, that's a really good teammate. I think Phil Parker's got something really good going back there. Final thing for me, Mark Morehouse joining us from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Ten years ago today, it was seven, getting six, as Mark McNutt scores on the final plate to beat Michigan State, and the unbeaten season continued. 2009, a great one. You've seen a lot of very good Iowa football teams here over the last two decades plus on the Iowa beat. What was your favorite season to cover? Uh, let's see, uh, 2004, for sure. Uh, that Drew Tay came out of nowhere, this uh you know, barely six foot, uh, mean customer taxes who would probably mm-hmm. yell at you a little bit if you ask a dumb question. <laughs> uh, that, that team was decapitated this twice before it, before it went on a, a historic run. Uh, it lost badly at Arizona State. It didn't even raise a glove. I think it was 41 to seven, and the seven was a late uh, punt return. And then Rebellious. Tate has his, yes, that's right. Uh, Michigan Tate has his helmet ripped off, his face cut. Uh, finishes a play, they lose, They put some pressure on Michigan, but Michigan pulled away. At that point, you're wondering, what the heck is going on here? No running backs? Are you kidding me? And then all of a sudden, they tear, they tear off that run. That defense was smothering, and that was walking a tightrope all year. That was just a fun team, and it ended up being a co-Big Ten champion. My last thing for you, I want to go back to Purdue. Just because I want to get your take on David Bell. Boy, he impressed the heck out of me, Mark. They got something there. I mean, can you imagine this team with Moore on the field and Bell on the field, and they will be on the field uh, next year? David Bell, what a future. I agree. Uh, you can see why Iowa recruited him to the nth degree. Came up short because Purdue, Purdue came through with his promise. Uh, they featured him in the passing game, and this is a passing team, and, and Jeff Brom is an abandoned passing coach. Uh, Purdue is, I think, the differentiator, once they finally get their feet on the ground and get out of the injury force that they're in, is going to be speed, and uh, uh, David Bell brings that. I thought, you know, going into last week, I, you know, Matt Hankins has had a little bit of injury this year. He had a hamstring thing. But I think he's still Iowa's best cover corner, and there was true freshman David Bell just wearing him out Saturday to the point of there was a benching. So, yeah, very impressive player. Uh, that's one's going to sting for the Hawkeyes. I, I know there's some fans who really stick with the recruiting losses. Yeah, you got to wipe. It's like a relief pitcher giving up a home run. You got to wipe that one off because, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. <laughs> well done, Mark Morehouse, as you go back to Monday night. Uh, thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week during the bowl. Will you get coordinators next week? Do you know? You did the last buy. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. This week, I, I'm not 100% sure what's going on. I think there's going to be some availability. I'm just not sure what. Good stuff, Mark. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks Good to talk to you. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, throwing cold water on the Oliver Martin. Yeah. Something stinks. It's weird. It's it is weird. weird. I think situation. it is weird. Was he made a promise about the offense that's going to go through him? lot to chew on here. There is a lot to chew on. Hey, your uh, question earlier, who will be calling the game on ESPN2? Yes, who, who has the broadcast? It's our old buddy Roy Philpot. Roy? We've got Philpot? Philpot, 
back calling a Hawkeye game again. Who, now, what game did he have? I thought he had an eye with Staken. Didn't Philpot have an eye with Staken? Yeah, Philpot was up in Ames. Yes, he was the one that was pushed back through the weather delay. And for a while, we thought we were going to lose the privilege of hearing Philpot if they were going to move that wasn't that the game that Philpot was on? I could be mistaken. I think I'm right, but anyways. Kelly right. Stoffer will be with him, former Seahawk. Not great. No, he wasn't. But he was, uh, I mean, Dave Craig, that was a great Seahawk quarterback. Indeed, you know. Him and Largent in the Kingdom. And Dave Craig sat behind whom? A lefty. Lefty, number eight. Final letter of the alphabet. Oh, Jim Zorn. Jim Zorn. And then it was Craig. And then who took over oh, from Oh, you got me after that. I'm going old AFC West on you. The, no, I love the old AFC this should West. Be, this should be your wheelhouse. Yeah, I did. I saw a lot. There's a lot of those Seattle-Denver games. games. Loved them. Loved them. All right, so we've got a Thursday night football tonight. It's a big number. Yeah, you sit and watch it, don't you? I am. I'll be playing Houston, grabbing the two touchdowns tonight in the college game. SMU, that's, SMU. A, that's an early game? Uh, I don't right know time-wise. I've no. got it right here in front of me. Let me look real quick. Uh, 6.30. 6.30 on Aspen. So you get to jump on that. A little college. Yep, for sure. No baseball tonight. And we'll get ready for a football Friday. What do you say? I'm all for it, Trent Condon. I know the f- Fanatics are at 4, but prior to that, of course, Murph and Andy will be here at 2. Cyclone Fanatic Radio tonight at 6. Hawkeye Nation Radio tonight uh, at 7 o'clock. And then tomorrow morning on a Friday, we'll do it all again. And the morning rush will start things off at 6. Thanks for being here with us. We're Miller and Condon. On Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.